0: Welcome to Midweek, a place where we dive deep into Scripture. So grab your Bible, a pen, and a notebook, and get ready to study God's Word. Okay, so we begin Joshua tonight, and uh, the specific title, if you have the outlines that we leave at the door there, and those of you who will watch us later on on YouTube or podcast it, uh, we're going to talk today, the idea of of today's theme is going to be, When Your Window of Opportunity Arrives. And we're only going to cover, and by the way, um, I'm going to go slower in Joshua than I did through Daniel. uh, If that's okay, and even if it isn't, it's going to be okay with me, all right? Um, To give you an example, it'll take me three weeks to get through chapter one. So we're going to move that way. I know for sure chapter two will take at least two weeks, uh, but we'll see how that goes. So I'm going to move slow because there's just a, a lot of application that I can pull from these chapters, and I'm, if you know me by now, you know I'm a very much an application type preacher teacher, I like to give application to the scriptures, I like to take it, give you the what, and then tell you, this is how it works in your life right now, because if it's not working in my life right now, I just, I'm very utilitarian, it's got to be very practical, uh, and so I look at things that way, now, to begin tonight, I remember I was about, uh, this was 1983, and I was about 27 years old. I was really young, okay? Can anyone even remember that age? And I, It's been a long time, and, but I was, uh, and, and, and most of you know this, but let me just use this for the example. I, I played the part of Jesus in this annual play in Corona. How many of you remember that play back in the 80s? You. Yeah okay, so I played it for eleven straight years, and uh, like I've told you before, somebody asked me, "Will you ever play that part again?" I said, "Jimmy will never wear a diaper on stage again." Okay, that's not going to happen. The files are closed. It's over. All right, but I played it from nineteen eighty to nineteen ninety one, and when I went to plant the church, I had never played it again. But I, um, but in nineteen eighty three, it was my fourth year playing Jesus. It was my fifth year in the play, because I, I got into it. The, the first year I got in, I wasn't even Christian. They just asked me, hey, we need people to get involved. My sister asked, I go, yeah, I could be a prop person. I, I could do that, and then I ended up playing three different roles in the play as people got sick or injured or something else, because I've always liked, I don't know if you could tell I'm a frustrated actor. Can you ever tell that what's her... <laughs> I, I, I love acting. I've always loved acting. And as uh, yes, sixth grade, I would play. I played the f- bigger parts in plays in elementary school because I just like acting. And so, um, so that one year, 1983, they they pegged me to take over as director and the writer of the play. And I was 27 years old. I've only been say four years. And uh, I know that I always had ideas that I wanted to for scenes that I thought would be really cool and really in-your-face type stuff. And I thought, okay, I'll I'll do it. A little tentative. But as as I was stepping into this, I was was afraid. And let me tell you why I was afraid, besides being young. I was afraid because I was stepping into the shoes of someone who had been the director from the get-go. This person started the plays, this person wrote the plays, this person was a big personality. You ever met somebody that they can make you feel like you're their best friend in 10 seconds? Until they turn to the next person, and that's their new best friend? Well, that that's that's the way this this person is. And it's Pastor Fred Rodriguez from Elsinore Our First Assembly. And uh and so Trying to step into his shoes, I was, I was scared. I, I was really, really nervous. Because how do you follow the guy who basically is the legend in these performances and putting it all together? And I can vividly remember the very first time we're going to have practices, I'm going to be the director, I'm standing behind an altar at this certain church in Corona. It's the first, the old First Baptist building. Anybody know the old First Baptist building on 8th Street? I was standing back there because we rented that to be able to practice and people were outside. And I remember I was scared out of my mind. I'm just a young 27-year-old. Who am I to even do these things? But here's the thing I want to pull from that. Even though I'm stepping into the legend's shoes, um, the window of opportunity opened up for me. I mean, it was a moment in time when it was like, okay, Jim, we're pegging you. We're, you're the guy who's now going to direct this thing. And so when the window opened up, I just stepped right into it, you know, not knowing if I was, was going to be successful or be a failure or what. And I say that to say this because I think every one of us, when we've lived a while, have you ever noticed that every so often in your life, a window opens up? an opportunity that you weren't even looking for. You're glad it did, but you weren't looking for it. But we have Joshua. As we begin, Joshua, all of a sudden, this moment ar- ar- arrives in his life. The window of opportunity. God calls old Josh. He's going to follow the legend, and the legend is Moses. He's going to take over for this guy. And, um, you know... I, If I'm Joshua, I would be really, really, really nervous about the whole situation. He doesn't seem to be because, you know, God's telling him stuff. So we're going to look at this Joshua and we're going to look at more of this idea, stepping in the legend shoes and windows of opportunity opening up. But just so you know, the this Old Testament document of Joshua, it's broken up basically into three main big themes. It's entering into the land. It's conquering the land and it's dividing up the land, and that's what it's, what it's broken up into, so we're going to begin tonight with a major event that has taken place, so in Joshua chapter 1, if you're there read verse. I'll read verse 1, and it says this, now it came about after the death of Moses the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, now you stop right there, and the first thing that catches your eye basically is that Moses is what now, he's dead he is gone, it's over, now you've got to think about the magnitude of this statement in the time of what is going on, and what is taking place at this time in history for Israel, Moses now was told by God, go up to Mount Nebo, some of you have stood up there at Mount Nebo, it's in modern day Jordan, we got to stand there about four years ago, And uh, but he's going up there, he will watch the nation cross into the promised land, he doesn't get to go in, we'll share why in a second, now think about his life though, because Joshua's stepping into the shoes of this guy, Moses is the guy that called on 10 plagues, on Egypt. Is that impressive or what? Moses stands at the Red Sea and he says, stand back and see the salvation of our God and boom, the water parts. Is that like very impressive or what? Oh, you better believe it. Moses is the guy who comes down from Mount Sinai, spending time face to face with God, carrying the Ten Commandments and all the law. And he sees all the sin there and he throws the law down because they've broken the laws as they're sitting around the golden calf and all that coming down, talking to God. Is that impressive or what? You better believe it. Moses is the guy that spoke, I'm sorry, that hit the rock that first time because there was no water and water comes out of the rock. That's like super impressive, guys. And then Moses, the guy, when they're complaining about food, he calls to God and God sends manna from heaven and people get food every morning outside their tent six days a week and they pick up twice the amount on the sixth day so they don't have to pick it up on the seventh day because it's the Sabbath rest. Is that impressive? And by the way, that fell for all the years through the wilderness wanderings, almost 40 years and it didn't stop till the day they went into the promised land. That's like super impressive, huh? And so here's this guy, Moses, and it says, Moses is dead. He's the only leader that this infant nation has ever known. And now he's gone. But let's see. So you understand Joshua, what he's walking into. Let's see what the people felt, what they did after Moses dies. Look at, just back up a few, cha- a few pages. Look at Deuteronomy 34 and i'm going to read verse 7 8 and 9 now watch the reaction of the people when moses dies and it says this in verse 7 although moses was 120 years old when he died his eye was not dim nor his vigor abated now somebody one day may tell you how ah, people couldn't live that long yes they could who says they couldn't have? And the reason why our life spans have gotten shorter and shorter is because the toll of sin on humanity. Once sin entered the world, corruption came into the world. It's a fallen world. You don't expect things because to live as long to be as good because remember, we were meant to live forever as humans. Anyone remember that from the beginning? But now the time span of life is shorter and shorter. Now we live in a day when medicines and things help us to live a little longer than they did 150 years ago. Praise the Lord that, amen, now verse 8, so the sons of Israel, so Moses died, the sons of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days, then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses came to an end, now Joshua the son of Nun was filled with the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him, and the sons of Israel listened to him, and did as the Lord had commanded Moses how many days did they cry for Moses after Moses died 30 days. That is a long time to weep and mourn. I mean, because this is the guy. This was the one. But for Joshua, he's following the legend that everybody's crying about and everybody misses. And now he's the one that has to take the people. Now, I got a question for you. They're going to go in the promised land. This is what they've been shooting for for 40 or almost 40 years. Could there be a worse time for their main leader, Moses, to die? Think about it. He's taken them all the way. There's the land. He's our guy. He's dead. It's like the worst time for Moses to die, but not in God's economy. Not in God's economy. God's got control of everything. Amen to that one? Now, let me give you a bullet point if you're taking notes. There's your first one. God commissions new leadership to lead a new generation. God commissions new leadership to lead a new generation. Now, what happened to the first generation of the Israelites that came out of Egypt? They died in the wilderness, did they not? They died. And the reason they died is because they cried and complained, take us back to Egypt, because remember the, the ten spies gave a bad report. And so they don't want to go, and so God says, you don't want to go? Then guess what? You're not going to go. So that died off, and now there's a new generation, and now there's a new leader who's going to lead the new generation. It always works that way, because the new leader understands the new generation of people. Look, can I tell you something honestly? It used to be, and I've watched this flip in the last five years. It used to be that, you know, and before COVID we ran three services. We'll get back to there again. We're in two right now. We're going to get back there, don't worry. But um, because we are growing and growing back in, um, and we do have a lot of people watch online. But here's the thing. It used to be that first service, no offense, but you were the real flat emotional service. It was rough, okay? It was rough. Second service, lively service. Third service, semi-lively. But second service, I could relate to you guys all the time. I'm older now. And now, guess who the lively service is? First service. Because the things that I say to you, we understand each other, don't we? You understand my humor, the TV shows I watched, the songs that we listen to. We understand all those things. So it's like, you guys are like my peeps now. Don't tell second service. If you're second service people, don't give the secret out. But first service, a lot more fun. Even though it's smaller, it'll always be the smaller services. Even. But second are the bigger, always be bigger. Later services is always bigger. But it's, I can relate to you. And I think it's because I'm older now, and I can relate to us semi-older people now. I'll say it that way, okay? <laughs> but, you know, that's just the way it works. You, you, you leader, certain age groups can reach certain age groups. Any amen to that one? Yeah. Now, let's, let's, let's move on here. We're still in, we're still in verse 1, okay? Now, why was Moses not allowed to go into the promised land? Why does he have to die before they go in? Well, keep your marker right here and go into Numbers chapter 20. You guys want to see why, right? Okay, Numbers 20. And I know some of you know it, but for the sake of the rest of us, let's just see this because this is a Bible study and we will cross-reference. And I love to hear the pages turning, which I don't get to hear on Sunday mornings because they all use phones now for Bibles, you know, I just pretend in my head I hear pages. Um, Numbers 20. Now let's see why Moses doesn't go into the promised land. Look at verse, in chapter 20 of Numbers, verse 10. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly before the rock because this is the second time they're complaining about no water. And he said to them, Listen now, you rebels. This is Moses talking to the people, guys. Shall we bring water forth water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod, and water came forth abundantly, and the congregation and their beasts drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you have not believed me to treat me as holy in the sight of the sons of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. So Moses goes to God. He's already years before struck the rock. God said, strike the rock and water will come up. And it did. But this time, years later, there's no water. And he goes to God. And God says, speak to the rock. And Moses comes back to the people. And he says to them, you bunch of rebels. Is he irritated with them? He's irritated with his congregation. I have no idea what that feels like. Just a few people. No, I'm joking. But, he said, but notice what he says. He says, shall we bring water for, from the rock for you people? I didn't, last time I checked, Moses never had any power to bring forth water. He's just a guy. He's like me. He's just a guy. It's God that brings forth the water. But he's acting like he's more than he's all that, right? And so what does he do? He hits the rock. Not just once. He hits it twice. But God said, speak to the rock. And by the way, he hits it because he doesn't want to bring forth water. Once he hits it, what happens? Water still comes forth. Because that teaches us, you cannot stop the blessing of God in other people's lives. You think you can, but no, you can't. God's going to bless them no matter what. He's going to do what he's going to do. But you don't strike the rock because you already struck it years before, which is a beautiful New Testament picture that Jesus died one time. He took the beating once for all. Amen. He doesn't have to do it again. It's a done deal. But because Moses does that, and inside of all, he doesn't respect God. So guess what? You're not going in the promised land. You're not taking the people in. Let me tell you what, what, what this means or an application. It's always a worse judgment for the main leader. And it has to be that way because the main leader is the, is the leader. He's the example. And he's got to live a certain way because he's leading the troops and he's leading the church. So a leader has, the main leader, they to live higher standards. They have to live that way. And he blew it. He hits, he hits that rock and he disrespects God in front of everyone. I mean, you remember earlier in Moses' life when he's going to go back to Egypt, God almost kills him. Remember that? He didn't circumcise his kids. So you got to live certain ways as the main leader or a high-level leadership in the church. Now, let's go back to Joshua, <clears throat> Joshua chapter 1, uh, look, at, um, look at verse 2 now, Yeah, we're really making strides forward here, here we go Moses my servant is dead, it's God speaking to Joshua now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel bullet point, second one, here we go, Joshua is a complement to Moses Joshua is a compliment to Moses. He says to Joshua, therefore arise and cross this Jordan. Now, Moses got him there. Joshua's taken him in. Moses brought him out. Joshua's taken him in. Always know that God brings us out to bring us what? To bring us in. He'll always do that. If God brings us out of somewhere, he's doing it to bring us in somewhere. Now, there may be a little bit of stalling out in the middle of it, but he's going to bring us out to bring us in. And this is where they are right now. They've been brought out uh, to go in. Now, why is Joshua a compliment to Moses in this whole transaction of going into the promised land? Here's why. It's beautiful symbolism, and it really, uh, it's really applicable for our lives. Now, keep your marker right here. And turn to John chapter 1. Go to John chapter 1 in the New Testament for this, uh, to see how it all plays out symbolically. In John chapter 1 and verse 17, watch what it says. For the law was given through who? Through Moses. Grace and truth are realized through who? Jesus Christ. So the law is given through Moses, but grace and truth, grace, emphasize that, is given through Jesus Christ. You catch that right there? Okay, Let, let's take that idea now. So Moses represents the law. Jesus is grace. Okay, hold that thought, turn to Romans, go to your right a little bit, Romans chapter 8. This is where the compliment, how they complement each other. Now, when you're in Romans 8, say, I'm there. Okay, look at verse 3 and 4, and it says, For what the law could not do. Now we find that the law can't do something. And who does Moses represent? He represents the what? The law. Now, it can't do something. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh, verse 4, so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the what? Spirit. The Spirit. Now, he says the law couldn't do something, but Jesus Christ could do it, and Jesus comes and he gives his life, he came in the likeness of sinful flesh. Now, let me, let me try to piece this all together for you. Moses, or the law, is represented by Moses. The law couldn't take you and I into the promised land. Couldn't save us. Is the law good? Say yes. yes. It's very good. But what the law does this is the law points out to me and it reminds me of every time I break the law. You ever notice that? How many of you just refuse to drive the speed limit on the freeway? <laughs> okay, I knew I had rebels in here. And, and, so, and so you see that sign that says, say, 70, and you're driving 78, 80 miles an hour. That sign just told you, and you're spinning that you just broke the? the you broke the law. And that's what law is good for, right? It gives you parameters. You do need laws. You do need curbs. But the law will only show you how much you fail to keep that law. And so the law will always tell you that you'll never be good enough. YOU'LL NEVER BE HOLY ENOUGH TO GET YOUR WAY TO GOD. IT'S NEVER GOING TO HAPPEN. SO THE LAW TEACHES YOU THAT. SO BECAUSE OF THAT, MOSES, THE LAW, COULD NEVER TAKE YOU INTO SALVATION. HAVE YOU SEEN THE PICTURE NOW? COULD NEVER TAKE YOU IN. SO WHAT HAS TO TAKE YOU IN IS JESUS CHRIST COMES ALONG. AND HE'S THE ONE WHO DIES ON THE CROSS, SHEDS HIS BLOOD, AND IT'S THE BLOOD OF JESUS AS WE PUT OUR FAITH IN HIM AND THE PROVISION TO US. HERE COMES OUR FAITH TO HIM AND GRACE TO US and washes away our sins, Jesus is the one that can take us in, because it's his life laid down for us, that washes away all of our sins, that we realize that we have, because we've broken the the law, does that make sense, so this is the way the complement goes together, Joshua, his name Hebrew is Jehovah is salvation, Symbolically, now in this respect, Jesus, the Greek equivalent of Joshua, the name means Jehovah is salvation. That's what it means. And so now when you see the compliment that Moses, the law represents, Moses represents the law, he couldn't take you in. He couldn't get you there. So here comes God is our salvation, Jesus Christ, and he can take us in. To heaven, he could take us in to salvation, and that's a, so therefore, they complement each other, did I make sense on that whole issue right there, so that's what John, he's, a, he's taking us in, now, bullet point, next one, next thought, the leader may die, but the work of God lives on, the leader may die, but the work of God lives on, now, let me take you back in time, because many of you are my peeps from the past, alright, um, in 1975, can anyone remember 1975, one of the greatest movies of all time came out that year, and that's the movie, Jaws, that's right, does anyone remember seeing Jaws at the theater when it came, don't raise your hand, you're too young, you couldn't remember that, Uh, yeah I was, you were, no you weren't there, no I saw it at the theater, and how many remember at Tyler Mall, where the bookstore is, that used to be the theater right there, they tore that building down, they built the bookstore, and then they built another theater, the AMC over at, well, I called it Tyler Mall, old timer, um, Galleria is the new name now, so I remember Jaws came out, and we went to, to see that movie, and the line was around the building, I'll never forget that, I'm 19 years old, I can't even imagine being 19 again, but we go into that theater, we watch the movie, and my gosh, we were terrified out of our minds, and I remember, remember the slogan, you'll never go back into the water again, anybody remember that, me and my buddies, it's, it came out in May, summer's coming up, and I remember mean, we'd go body surfing at the beach, this is what we did, we'd go to Newport, and we'd go body surfing, it took me about two weeks before I ever went back to New, I wasn't gonna go back, because you're right, I'll never go back in the water again, thanks, you know, but... After that movie, and after I finally got over it and went back in the water, I, you know, it, it made me curious about great white sharks. You know? And so you'd read up little things about great white sharks here and there, and, and, and I found out about their teeth. And remember that one scene in Jaws where Richard Dreyfuss dives in the water to look at that hull of a boat? Do you remember that? And there's that kind of bite through the boat right there, and there's a tooth. Remember the tooth? And he's got the tooth, and then the guy, the dead guy inside, the head pops out. Remember that right there? I don't mean to scare you, but we need the illustration tonight, okay? And it pops out, and he drops the tooth, the tooth goes to the ground, the, the great white tooth, and, and he doesn't have it. And of course, but it, you know, later on I would read that when a great white would lose a tooth, that he's got all these rows of teeth. How many wish they had that? <laughs> and then the next tooth would just pop up right into place. So the great white, once he loses the tooth, he doesn't sit there and say, oh, that's it, I can't hunt anymore. I I might as well retire, because if they stop swimming, they die. But no, just another one pops right into place, and he keeps on swimming, and he keeps on hunting, and he keeps on eating. Isn't that great? The way God made that guy? I like that. Now, that's no different than leadership. Every one of us in this room, we're all temps. Did you know that? If you're retired, you walked out that day and somebody took your spot Monday. Isn't that awful? And you thought you were irreplaceable. (laughs) We're all temps, every one of us. We're here for a time. We do what we're supposed to do. And then at some point, the end comes for all of us. And somebody steps into our spot and takes over for us. Just like that too. Pops right into place. And and, And that's exactly what's happening right here. I mean, Joshua, he's the tooth. He's stepping right in. They're not going to miss a beat. because God. And by the way, if you are, um, this, is, this popped in my mind, and I always tell this to leaders because this is a struggle for leaders. Leaders can lose some of their best leaders underneath them. They decide to move on. Somebody offers them a position somewhere else. You ever lose somebody who works underneath you that you wish, man, I didn't want to lose that person? Anyone ever heard that? It's like the worst. But you've got to remember one thing, and I tell leaders this all the time, that um, when King Saul was going down, when he was dying, you have to remember that years before that, like over 10 years before that, King David was already anointed to take that spot. Never forget that. You know, that has saved me so many times in ministry, the trust of God to know that God is in control of everything, that even if a leader leaves or moves on, God already has someone else to take that spot. The tooth pops right into place. And that gives you great peace that you can just relax. and go, No, God, you, you got this thing. You got this thing. Now, it says, go back to Joshua. It says in verse 2, he tells him, arise and cross the Jordan. Did you catch that in verse 2? Josh, get up and, and write. You could say it like this, though. Josh, arise, cross the Jordan. Moses is dead. I want you to think about that. Arise and cross the Jordan. Moses is dead. I want you to think about those ideas right there. How many people get stuck in sadness, get down, get depressed because something went south? Moses is dead. Everything's gone bad. What am I going to do now? And too many people get locked in that mentality and they start staying by themselves, sitting home watching TV, eating bonbons, something. But what do we need to do when things like that go south? We need to arise and cross the Jordan. We need to get up, move forward with our life because God still has a lot of good stuff for us in our life. Amen to that one? Because if you sit there by yourself... IF YOU RETREAT INTO YOUR OWN WORLD, IT'S ONLY GOING TO GET WORSE. HOW MANY KNOW IF YOU STAY IN YOUR OWN HEAD, IT ONLY GETS WORSE? IT ONLY GETS WORSE. NOW, NEW BIG QUESTION. DID JOSHUA CAMPAIGN FOR THE POSITION? NO, NO, HE DIDN'T. HE DIDN'T SIT THERE AND GO, WOW, THANK GOD, 40 YEARS I'VE BEEN WAITING FOR THIS SPOT. FINALLY THE OLD GUY KEELED OVER, MAN. I'VE BEEN WAITING SO LONG. HE DIDN'T DO THAT, DID HE? HE DIDN'T CAMPAIGN campaign FOR ANYTHING. HE JUST DID WHAT HE WAS SUPPOSED TO DO. BECAUSE GOD'S KINGDOM IS NOT ABOUT CAMPAIGN, IT'S ABOUT CALLING IN LIFE. AMEN TO THAT ONE. NOW, NEXT BULLET POINT AND THAT'S THIS. THERE ARE APPOINTED TIMES. NOW DO YOU UNDERSTAND WHY I HAD TO GO REAL SLOW IN JOSHUA? THERE'S TOO MUCH APPLICATION. THERE ARE APPOINTED TIMES. HE SAYS TO HIM IN VERSE 2 STILL, WE'RE STILL IN VERSE 2, HE SAYS, CROSS THE JORDAN TO THE LAND I AM GIVING YOU. OH, OKAY. God is never late, and God is never early. God is always on time, right? His time. Now that upsets us at times, doesn't it? It frustrates me, because doesn't God know that I kind of know the timetable that should happen in? (laughs) Has He not checked my emails? I mean, come on, God. (laughs) Now, now I want you to think now joshua is standing on the other side of the jordan there's the promised land he is standing there at the specific time in history think of what he, what's going on in there now question when did god tell them they would go into the promised land last week three months ago no You have to go back to Genesis chapter 12 when he first speaks to Abraham. Then you go to Genesis 15 where he says, your people will be slaves in another land for four generations. Then they're going to come out. You have to go back to all these times. Now, you think about this. Joshua, and, and by the way, that's like 2000 BC, 2100 BC. Joshua is standing here at this moment in time. Do you know what year it is? Thereabouts in history? It's 1408 B.C., 1408 B.C. Now, hold the the math, because I want to give you something that I think is important, that has nothing to do with the study, but I think you'll like it, okay? All right, keep your marker here. Now, how do we know it's 1408 B.C.? How do we know these timetables? Turn to 1 Kings chapter 6, a little bit to your right. You don't have to go real far. But go to First Kings chapter six. Now watch this. This is just a free one. If you want to tithe twice Sunday, I get it. Okay, on this one. Now look at verse chapter six of First Kings verse one. When you're there, stand there. And I want to move forward till everybody's there. Are you there? Okay. Now look at this. Look at this. This is the dedication construction of the temple. Now, now it came about verse one, in the 480th and eightieth year. After the sons of Israel came out of the land of Egypt. In the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel. In the month Ziv, which is, which is the second month, that he began to build the house of the Lord. Guys, he's giving us the date they began to build the house of the Lord. It's, it's April or May, because the months are different than ours, 967 BC. 967. Now you take that number. And he says, it's 480 years after they came out of Egypt. You add 480, back it up, 967 B.C., you back it up, and you get 1447 B.C. That is when they left Egypt. 1447 B.C., it gives it to us. It gives us the exact year. Why is that important? It's important because skeptics, non-believing scholars they will try to tell you that they left Egypt around 1240-something or 1250 B.C. That doesn't work. That doesn't jive. Because if you go at that date, then the archaeology that they find in Canaan's land doesn't fit with the time frame. It doesn't fit at all. But when you go with the correct number, 1447 B.C., of which it's telling us, then all the... Jericho, the burning of it. The archaeology fits with 1447 B.C. It doesn't fit with 1247 B.C. So you always remember that, that this is the proper time frame. Now, let's get back to Joshua. That's a free one, like I said. Now, so, we know that Joshua's standing there. They're going to enter in. It's 1408, 1407 B.C., something like that. God's always on time, His time. God tells it to Abraham about, 2100 BC so seven, almost 700 years ago and now Joshua stands there and now he stands there this is the moment this is the time God's never late God's never early God's got the time down and he's about to go in and God has an appointed time for every one of the promises he's going to fulfill to every one of us he's never late He's never early. He's right on time. Now, next big question. Why does Joshua get to take him in? Why not Curly, Moe, and Larry over there? (laughs) Why Josh? Why why this guy? I can tell you why. Because look at verse 1. It says that he's the servant of Moses. The word servant there is the idea of a person serving in the tabernacle of God. So he's a servant, guys. But also, I want you to think about Joshua. Has Joshua been the general, leading the armies in battle, traveling through the desert? Yeah. He's the guy down in the field and, uh, with the Amalekites, of which we'll talk about, uh, oh, this, this Sunday. He's down there when Moses has to lift up his hands. remember that? And Joshua's down there leading the battle. He's that guy. He's learning war. He's, the, he's a warrior, so he's, he could take them into the promised land. He knows how to fight. He knows how to lead troops. So he's that guy. He's been doing that day in, day out. But let me tell you something greater about Joshua. Servant, warrior, but here's a big one. They get out of Egypt, and they make a golden calf because they think Moses is what? He's got to be dead. He's been gone 40 days. So they're out there. And guess what? They don't know what to do with freedom, do they? They have no idea what to do. We're free. Let's go sin. No, 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 no. No, it's time to take responsibility for your life. You're set free to take responsibility for your life. So they're down there. They make the golden calf. They sit down to eat. They rise up to play. And the idea of play is like sexual play. It's a massive orgy going on. They're going nuts. Moses is up on the mountain having a great experience with God. They're down in the valley going out of their minds, except the Levites. They're not joining in. Where's Joshua? Let me tell you where Joshua's at. Let me tell you where he's not at first. He's not up on the mountaintop. He's not having the great experience with God, like Moses is. He's not down in the valley sitting with everybody else. He's standing on the side of the mountain 40 days and 40 nights waiting for Moses. You ever been there? Oh, so-and-so's having a great experience with God. Like, I wish I was having that experience with God. But I sure don't want to, and I'm sure they're not going to jump into sin like I see people that. I'm standing here on the side of the mountain and I'm waiting and I'm just waiting and I'm just waiting why is Joshua the the right choice he's the warrior that won the battles he's the servant of God servant of Moses and he's waited and he's done the right things while he's waited on the side of the mountain that's why he's the right guy and so when the window of opportunity opens here he comes he steps right into the situation now we're mad here okay here we go Joshua chapter 1, verse 3. God continues. This is God speaking. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you just as I spoke to Moses. Can you imagine Joshua hearing that? Everywhere you step, Joshua, in that land, it's yours. I give it to you. Man, that'd be great. Bullet point. The land is yours, but you must go take it. But you gotta go get it, man. You gotta go take it. Every place where your foot treads, in other words, you gotta step in that land. You gotta walk in that. Every place where you step, you gotta go in there. I'll give it to you. But you gotta go in there. You gotta go get it. Now, is the promised land a picture of heaven? The answer is no. Because there's no enemies in heaven. There's no enemies in heaven. It's a picture of the abundant life on earth in Jesus Christ. Amen? And please get money out of your mind, American Christian. Because we default too quick to just money and think that's the answer. The promised land for us could be some money, but I don't think that's it per se. Don't you enjoy having inner peace? I like that. Don't you enjoy having a marriage where you're just not fighting and you get along and you enjoy each other and you work out your deals together and just isn't that great? I kind of like that. Isn't, isn't it great to you start to understand yourself and you see how, where the things you've learned wrong and the issues of your life and you start to break old cycles in your life and you implement new biblical cycles so the next generation of who of your coming after you will, can live a better life than you did anybody uh, that's abundant life to me I, 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 I love that stuff right there isn't it great to have confidence inner security isn't it great to know that you know wh- that you don't have to be afraid of death that when you die you know where you're going in fact you can live forever there's some there's that thing inside you that soul it's going to live forever isn't it great isn't it great that during COVID you didn't have to be afraid because this is just physical. It's going to disappear one day, whether it's COVID or old age or whatever. You're going to live forever. So I didn't understand. I go, what's what are Christians all afraid about? Well, what's the answer to COVID? The answer is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you die, that's where you go. Isn't it great to, to be able to have that, that peace? That's, that's abundant life. That's abundant life. And that's what Jesus gives us. Now, tells Joshua the windows open Joshua there it is but you gotta go get it there's the line but you gotta go get it I will never get tired of saying what I'm gonna say next and I'll keep saying it because I want people to know where I stand on things and I want people to know biblical patterns not the insane cultural patterns any amens got to go get it i i i fear for too many people because of the brainwashing that says that the government has to give to you or or some nice people have to give to you they got to help you and give it to you and give no no you got to work for it you got to go get it don't tell me you don't have opportunities yes you do you got to go work for it. you got to go get it. Because if you don't, Jesus said to the one person who had the one talent and buried it and did nothing, he said, take the talent away from him and give it to the guy who doubled it. Jesus said that. Jesus said that. He would not fit in in this oppressed, oppressor mentality, psycho culture we live in now. He would not fit in here. And I want whether it's here watching me podcast, you got to go get it, and don't look around for people to just give it to you. You got to work hard, and you got to go get it. That's Joshua. You got to go get it, Joshua. It's there, but you got to step in. Then you got I've given it to you, but you got to go get it. You got to go get it now. Let me let me let me tie it up now. <clears throat> Moses is dead, and Joshua is the new leader. Can you hear the cries 3,400 years later? Oh, I, I just wish it was like the old good old days with Moses. I want to go back to the good old days. It was, when Moses was here. Look, the good old days were good, right? At least most of it. But when people want to go back to the good old days and they dwell in the good old days, no, no. It's that mentality that will destroy your business. It will destroy a church because you just want to go back to the way things were and society is moving past you. And you better remember that. I don't have to name all the stores in our lifetime that we've seen go under because they got stuck in a time period and they didn't move forward. One of the things as a pastor of a church that I do battle from time to time is people want to go back to the good old days. I liked it too. Who didn't like it? But those days came and they went and there's new things and new ways and and you just do stuff different. And you got to remember that but I could hear the cries of the people. Oh my gosh. No, that's where churches go to die. Good old days were good, but they're gone and there's other things now. Now, it's the last thought. There will be good days in the future for Joshua. They don't have to think about the good old days and I want want you to think with this last thought. Moses parted the Red Sea, did he not? God did it, but he was the vessel. What they don't know, and we'll talk about this, I think more next week maybe, maybe the week after, is that Joshua's going to part the Jordan River. They don't know that yet. Joshua didn't even know that yet. We haven't read enough yet. So there was good old days in the past, man, the Red Sea. Yeah, but there's some good old days coming, man, because the Jordan River going to be parted. And we're going to march through that thing. And we're going to have new experiences in God. If we choose just, let's just go get it. And let's go do it. Amen? Let's pray. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for, out of three verses, how much application you gave us from this great man, Joshua, who took the challenge to lead, when the window of opportunity opened, to go get it and to lead a couple million people into that land. Battle after battle, fight after fight. God, whatever meant something to us, whatever ministered to us tonight, I pray it challenged us to go live this thing. I pray it challenges us to move forward in our life and to understand your greatness and your power in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all said, amen. Amen. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.